Welcome to The Whole Marketer, where we look at the holistic skills the marketeers of today need to grow the brands and businesses of tomorrow, to ensure marketeers feel supported and empowered to have successful and fulfilling careers and lives as a whole. Hello, and welcome to The Whole Marketer podcast. Today's podcast is a technical skill and an area of latest thinking. It's neuromarketing. And shortly before I welcome today's guest, Katie Hart, an expert in all things neuromarketing, onto the podcast, I thought it'd be interesting for us all, me including, to learn more about what neuromarketing is. To keep at the forefront of our profession, we need to keep abreast of the latest thinking approaches so we can at least make an informed decision if we want to adopt these into our daily practice and bring into our business approach to marketing as a whole. Today's guest is Katie Hart, who has always been fascinated by people and what makes us do the things we do. She has studied psychology for over 30 years and recently completed a master's in applied neuroscience. As a fellow fellow of the CIM, Katie brings this wealth of understanding into marketing by providing keynote speaking, training and research in the emerging field of neuromarketing. She is passionate about making sure the valuable insights of neuromarketing are accessible to all, so works with entrepreneurs, SMEs and charities right through to multinational organizations such as Lloyd's Banking Group and Unilever on their Dove brand. Katie, welcome to The Whole Marketer. Thank you very much. So as always with The Whole Marketer podcast, we always start with a big juicy question. And today's big juicy question is, what is neuromarketing to you? In a way, that's really simple to answer. It's neuroscience applied to marketing. But actually, that isn't much more enlightening than the term neuromarketing itself. So what it is fundamentally is neuroscience, the study of our brains, looking at what's going on in our brains and understanding how they process things, how they see the world, make memories, do buying decisions, all of those sort of core processes which affect us and applying that to marketing. So as you can imagine, it really does cover the full range of marketing from research right through to design and implementation. But it's at its basic level, it's bringing that knowledge of our brains and using it to make marketing more engaging and more impactful. In your definition, that understanding about humans and how we use your brains feels like it falls into the insight bracket. Is that a fair description? Yeah, I think it does. It really does take insight to a whole new level. It's almost offered a sort of juxtaposition. It sort of takes things in a completely different direction. And with that, it's very exciting. So there's a lot of discovery that goes alongside that. But yes, if we want to have that real deep understanding about our customers' responses to what we're producing and their attitudes towards it and their motivations, then yeah, absolutely, that's what neuromarketing can provide. So tell us more about that new level that it can take us to. For me, one of the quotes that I often use is, I think it was David Ogilvy who said, customers don't think how they feel, they don't say what they think, and they don't do what they say. And what neuromarketing does is it enables us to bypass all of that. So if we want to find out what customers are thinking and what they're likely to do, what their sort of predictors of future behavior are going to be, we no longer need to stick within the confines of what they tell us or what they report or what we can observe retrospectively. Because what neuromarketing can do in its research form is it can interrogate the way the brain is responding. 
What we know is that typically something like 95% of what goes into every decision we make is subconscious. So that means if we're doing market research and we're asking people why we do the things we do and which we prefer and what factors went into making that decision, at best, we're really only accessing 5%. Whereas with neuromarketing, we can actually interpret the 95%. So we get a huge range more information than we would ever be able to get through conventional market research research methods. So that's what I mean when I say it's a whole new level. It's a level that I don't know about myself. So it's not that I'm being obstructive. If you're you're asking me questions in market research, I'm not deliberately trying to skew your results. I genuinely don't know those answers for myself. And what we find is that the brain is very quick to respond emotionally, and then we retrospectively rationalize it. So if you ask me a question, I will come up with a reason, but it may be completely disconnected from actually what those emotional core responses and motivations were in the first place. So as you're talking there, it feels to me like it overlaps with some of the behavioral science techniques and the thinking of Daniel Kahneman's system one, system two. Is that? Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Bang on. So we're now in the space of we understand that because of the work that Daniel Kahneman's done. We now know that 95% of a decision making is subconscious and emotional base. With neuromarketing, we can actually understand what that thinking is in that 95%. Is that accurate? Yes. So what it enables us to do is to be able to literally study the brain. So we can measure responses, measure activity in the brain in a number of different ways and use that to give us indications about actually what those real responses are, how that participant brain is processing and evaluating the information that's presented to it. Whether that's a food sample of a product, whether it's a packaging design they're interacting with, whether it's a video they're watching, or whether it's a layout for a web page or anything, we can really scrutinize it at a whole new level. Okay, so take me through it. I'm imagining consumers sat there with things attached to their brains looking at ads on screens. Is that similar territory? It can be, yeah. Okay. So I usually use something called an EEG headset, which is electroencephalography. And they are, you might have seen them, they're a bit like sort of swimming hats in their most sophisticated form. They're like sort of swimming hats that are covered in sensors. And what they do is they record the electrical activity that's going on within the brain. However, there are some are much more user-friendly ones, shall we say. So they don't have to be quite that invasive as people coming into a lab and wearing those. So we do actually have portable headsets that I can take out and we can use in a supermarket as people are walking around or I quite often go out and do research in people's natural environments, in offices and places like that. So yeah, they can wear these headsets. We sometimes use eye tracking alongside that so we can see exactly where their eyes are falling on the page at the precise moment that their brain responds. So we can match those two together. We can also use galvanic skin response or electrodermal activity, which is a bit like a mini sort of lie detector test. They are little sensors that sit on the surface of your skin on just two fingers. And through changes in the conductance on the surface of your skin, we can actually tell quite a lot about your physiological response and whether you like what you're seeing or are aversive to it. And then the top end, sadly, I don't have much opportunity to do that, but the top end and the really expensive end of neuromarketing marketing uses fMRI scanners. So your MRI scanners that you probably know from hospitals, these are functional. 
magnetic resonance imaging machines. So you can put people into scanners and present them with all sorts of images and really in minute, intricate amounts of depth and detail, look at what's going on in their brains. So there's a whole range of tools that we can use depending on what it is that we're, we're actually trying to find out. You gave the example there of a pack design that you would use this methodology for to allow you to get the actual physiological response to what they are seeing. What other applications could a marketer think about considering this as a methodology? Well, I suppose in a way it splits in two halves. So yes, we've got that research side. So if you're launching a new product or you've got new packaging that you want to test out, then you can absolutely use neuromarketing to ascertain which is going to be the most effective, which is going to create the particular responses that you're looking for. So there's there's a lot that we can do on that research side. However, it isn't cheap. And so for a lot of people, it's not always viable for them. So the sort of other side of neuromarketing is looking what we've already learned through other people's research studies. And so it means that actually we've got huge insights we can apply to every part of marketing, literally from font selection through images the way you lay out pages, the language that you use, the specific words that you use, we can test some of those out and see which create what kind of responses. It literally does reach out and touch every level of marketing. Amazing. So it's moving from stated behavior to actual behavior and response. And you can also track it against the actual desired response that you want your consumer or customer to feel, think or do. Yeah. And that's been one of the real turning points for neuromarketing is that quite often when I do studies, I do conventional market research. So for instance, I did a study where we were looking at different web layouts and presenting the same information a number of different ways and trying to see which would create the most interest and engagement in recipients' brains. And what we found is that when we did the conventional market research at the end, so we asked people which ones they remembered, which ones they liked best, all that sort of thing. But we retained the EEG headset on them at that stage. So we were also getting the responses that were going on in their brains. And what we found is that we end up with two quite different sets of data. So there is what they report as their preferences and which ones they liked. And then we got the responses from their brains about which ones they engaged with and which ones they found easiest and most accessible and all of that. We had two sets of data that didn't match up. They weren't both pointing towards the same sort of layouts. However, what we did alongside this is did some split testing. And the interesting thing is that the neuromarketing, the brain responses are the predictors of future behavior. So the brain responses aligned with the split test tests, whereas what people told us was the anomaly. That was the one that stood out. And that really was one of the turning points in neuromarketing was when that was first evidenced as being really clear-cut, really established. We need to kind of peel ourselves away from conventional forms of market research, which we've been doing for a long time, and actually start to trust some of the science and the technology and what that is showing us, because that is the more accurate predictor of what will happen in future in terms of take-up or responses or engagement or anything like that. So for those listening, thinking, yes, definitely want to deepen our understanding. We want to move into a space of, you know, actual responses and not stated behavior. Yes, I want to consider bringing neuromarketing in this approach to testing a whole host of activities that we're going to be bringing to market. What are the benefits to the business and to the brand? You know, if they almost had to go and sell this internally, what should they be saying? What should they be taking into consideration? 
I think the benefits are you've got certainty, you've got clarity. So it takes a lot of the risk away. So in terms of what we can do, what we can bring to a business, it's very much about being able to reduce that level of uncertainty or how many times are products launched and then they fizzle out because there isn't the take up that they want or they've misinterpreted what consumers said in all the pilot schemes and all the focus groups. By conducting neuromarketing, what you do is you take that away. So you get much more predictable responses from people. So that helps in terms of forecasting and planning. And it also helps in terms of being able to pull together campaigns that you know are going to be able to leverage more engagement or interaction or indeed reach if that's what you're particularly aiming for. So it's really having that kind of surety, having that confidence that you've got the scientific evidence behind it. This isn't something which has come from a lot of what we've learned in marketing and you know has filtered down through different people preferences and different people's interpretations of the brief and understanding of the audience. This is real sort of scientific data behind all of that. And so ultimately, what that means is you usually get a significant increase in the return on investment that you're making. As I asked you the question, I was thinking, I bet this allows much more greater accuracy when we're developing innovation, where consumers have said, yes, I would buy it. This is how much I would pay. And then actual behavior doesn't correlate at all. And then when you gave that example, I was like, yes, I can actually see how that would be the case. <laughs> it so, absolutely um, is. You're right. Yeah, lots and lots of examples of that. I'm not alone. And I'm sure there's loads of other marketers that have had that lived experience where they've launched a piece of EPD or NPD, and they've used that state of behavior or percentage of the population that are likely to buy and the price point that they would likely to buy it at. And it hasn't worked because it's data behavior, not actual behavior or actual responses. So for those listening, neuromarketing and this approach is a way that you can get actual and not stated. Absolutely right. Yeah. And are there any watch outs? Yeah, of course. It's never a perfect science. We are rarely able to do a census. So you are still going to fall victim to samples and trying to make sure that your samples are representative. We are very individualized in terms of our brains and how we perceive things as part of that emotional response that we bring to it. There's a lot of experience and individual knowledge and insight that we bring to that. So the greater the sample, the less significant any of those individual experiences are. But as I say, it's not a cheap solution. So sadly, what we quite often find our organisations are restricted by budget, which means the volume that we're able to actually research starts to become quite nerve wracking in some instances. So yes, whenever we're talking about it, we want to try and get that balance right, where we can make it viable, we can make it accessible for businesses of all sizes. But at the same time, we want it to be robust. We need to get results that they can absolutely stand by and implement. And so yeah, we have to try and balance that out. I think in terms of other watchouts as well, you know, as with anything that is emerging, people kind of jump onto the bandwagon. There are some not very polite terms for these kind of neuro myths that we have. And so it's really learning to be able to determine which ones are valid and which ones are robust and being a bit of a researcher yourself and just digging into the references and the citations behind it and finding out actually how valid that finding is. Because with neuromarketing, there are some large organizations who are putting a lot of funding into research. And pardon my cynicism, but when you've got an organization funding it, it does sometimes mean the results. Have biased themselves. Interpreted. Yeah, absolutely right. Thank you. 
So yes, there are watch outs, but there is a huge amount that we are learning. And as the technology improves, and as I say, it's far less invasive now, so it's much, much more accessible. So we are building up a real wealth of insight and wisdom that is coming through, starting in academic realms and cascading down. There's a lot out there that people can start to get involved in and just try it, you know, just do your own split test and see what kind of responses you get. And from that, it will then hopefully create its own sort of evidence that you can then use to prove your case internally and to build on in future. Great piece of advice. And it leads me very nicely to the next question I'm going to ask you, Katie, which is for someone that is going, yes, I want to bring this in. I want to do that split testing. What advice would you give them about where to start to adopting this approach into their business? Definitely my advice would be look at what's already been done. As with any secondary research, there's a lot out there already we can learn from. And so it makes it possible for us to implement small changes and to have a go to utilize them in split tests and just see what kind of results we get. See how many of these really resonate with our particular audiences that we're trying to reach. There's one particular book that stands out for me, which is called Brainfluence. So influence, but with VRA in front of it. So it's brain fluence. And it's written by one of the real leading lights in neuromarketing, a man called Roger Dooley. And he, in brain fluence, has a hundred different things that you could do and that you can try. And they're really accessible and they're really bite-sized. You know, each one is only probably three or four pages in a book. And they give the neuroscience behind them so you understand how they work and why they're relevant. And from those, they're real tangible things that you can go away and have a try with, have a play with. And obviously you can then start to mix and match and bring in some different ones. So I always think that's a really good place to start out. And what about when looking for research partners to commission this type of research with? Yeah, there's a few of us around up and down the country. Quite a few academic institutes as well are always looking for corporate partners. They want real world experience as well. So the academic organisations tend to be the ones that have the really big expensive pieces of kit. So if that seems like it's going to be the route you're going to go down, then absolutely it's worth reaching out to local universities and you know seeing what what opportunities they've got for working in partnership or collaborating on something. And then, yes, as I say, there are people like myself out there who are building up platforms of knowledge and expertise in the field as well. So thankfully, it's one of the Google searches that if you do one, you don't instantly get millions and millions of responses back yet. So yeah, I'm sure I speak on behalf of a lot of people in my industry. We're more than happy to talk to people. We're more than happy to give real responses in terms of what we think is achievable and And if people have particular requirements or particular priorities, we can very much work with them to see what the most cost effective way is of starting to enable them to access this and be able to apply it for their own benefit. You heard it here, whole marketer listeners, Katie is willing to answer questions. So take that opportunity. <laughs> take it. <laughs> I don't know. May, you might need to run like the wind, but I'm hoping not. I'm hoping not. <laughs> bring it on, I say. Bring, bring it on. on. And Katie, thank you so much for everything you shared so far on neuromarketing. You're very welcome. But you have your own marketing career as well. And I would love to hear your career highs and lows. Yes. 
alarmingly, it feels like it's been a long career. It'd be quite humbling when you look back on it. I think most of my marketing career has been working with the startup end of the businesses. So very much at the innovators, entrepreneurs, micro end of the business spectrum, which always feels so fun. You know, everything happens at such a fast pace. And it's really rewarding and gratifying to work with people who are launching their first business or taking what perhaps has been a hobby business for a while and then expanding that out and making it into an an inverted commas sort of proper business. So yeah, there's lots of lovely people that I've worked with over the years in different guises for that, that it's lovely to still see them out there trading, expanding, growing. It's humbling to feel that you've played a part in that. I think in terms of career highs, Yes, there have been some amazing moments. I do a lot of keynote speaking around neuromarketing as well. And you're in front of an audience and you can see the response you're getting from a highly informed, educated room full of marketers. And you can see the excitement and the registration of the possibilities. Those are some real highs. And I very much missed that as everything had to go online for the last couple of years. There have been some fantastic moments. But like anybody's career, there have been lows as well. There have been, you know... The ones that stick in your memory are the real cringes where I print off, you sign off something and didn't spot the typo and you've suddenly got 500,000 of something produced with a really clanging, embarrassing typo in it. That was one that will stay with me and clearly still scarred by it. (laughs) Yes, there are highs and there are lows, but thankfully the highs really do outweigh the lows probably by about 10 to 1. So it's a lovely industry to be in. There's always something new and different coming through. And I feel that in neuromarketing, I found a way to perpetuate that because neuroscience is, as I say, discovering new things about us and our brains every day. So there's always something new that we can try and we can experiment with and we can share with the clients that I work with. Amazing. And thank you so much for all your advice that you've given so far on today's podcast. We always finish with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow? I may be biased. In fact, I am utterly biased. But my advice really comes from the passion that I have and the reason I'm in neuromarketing. When I look at marketing and think about the future of marketing, I think it's almost going to polarise. I think we've got a lot of it that's going down algorithms and automated marketing and isn't it going to make us all very efficient and how wonderful that is. But I'm going slightly the other way. I really want us to keep it human. Underneath all of this, we are a human brain trying to connect with another human brain. And and I think just humanizing what we do and not getting lost in the processes and the algorithms, to me, is where some of the magic happens in marketing. The more we realize that we're emotional creatures and we respond to things in a very human way, that is where I hope my future in marketing is going to be. And I would love more marketeers to really champion that. Not B2B and B2C, but human to human marketing. I'm having a real preach moment because I always say to my clients, who's your human? Who's your human? Don't worry whether it's your consumer, your target audience, or positioning audience. It's like, yes. who's your human? So the second you said that, I was like, yes, somebody yes, else who yeah, says brilliant. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Bang on. Oh, well, thank you so much again for your time on today's podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Whole Marketer podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like, follow and share. The Whole Marketer is here to support and empower you and your teams with the latest technical skills, soft and leadership skills and behaviours and personal understanding for a successful, fulfilling marketing career and life as a whole. For support, resources and more information on how we can help you, 
to become a whole marketer and build whole marketing teams, go to www.thewholemarketer.com.